Employment Hour number 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't checked it out yet, we'll get into more depth. That is the severance pay calculator. Find out exactly what your severance should be. Very simple to use. Can be anonymous or otherwise. A good way to contact Lior and the firm through the severance pay calculator as well. Severancepaycalculator.com. That's all coming up and we'll talk about no, your employer is not allowed to dot 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 in more depth as well. That'll be the topic today. And of course, your emails First, though, we always get to the uh, the week that was. How was it, man? Well, John, you know, it's actually a really, really busy time. I think uh, my office, we kind of keep uh, breaking records in terms of people wow. contacting us. But that's that's really, really exciting. And it's really good because it, it shows me that we're getting the word out there that people have rights, that employment law is your friend, and that you shouldn't be afraid to deal with a problem situation in your workplace. Uh, don't be afraid to get advice. Don't be afraid to call me, to email me, uh, and, and to reach out and solve that problem. So whether you're facing a dilemma right now, your boss is giving you maybe an ultimatum, and you don't know what to do about it. Well, you know what? I probably do, so mm-hmm. give me a call. Or you're, you're staring at that severance letter, trying to make some sense out of it. What does it mean? Is it right? Is it not? Well, guess what? I'll, I'll be able to tell you that, so give me a shout. Let's talk about it, and, and let's put those concerns to bed. And the week that was where I talk about a couple situations that uh, have come across my desk over the past few days. Uh, first situation, uh, actually, is a lady that I uh, I spoke with, and uh, she had worked for a company for a long time, about 24 years, no problems, no issues, uh, except uh, late last year, she suffered a knee injury uh, in a car accident, and she was off work for a little while to get better. And when she came back to work, she asked her employer for accommodation. Uh, she had a job where she stood all day, and she asked for some accommodation either mm-hmm. to be allowed to do a job where she doesn't stand as much or ideally a job where she would not have to stand at all, maybe more of an office job. Uh, she did not get that accommodation. She kept following up, following up. Finally, the company said, we're giving you three options. Option number one is you can continue doing your regular job and, and stop bugging us, essentially. Option number two is you can quit. And option number three, we can let you go and we'll give you six months pay. Now, this lady has been there for 24 years and she reached out to me wanting to know, wait a second, I mean, what, what's happening here? I'm um, given these three options. Are these, in fact, my only options? Well, of course, the answer is no, that those are not her only options. This company was under a legal duty to provide accommodation yeah. because she had a serious medical condition. Uh, it's within their ability to accommodate and, and certainly they have to take a good, hard, long look at trying to accommodate her. They can't just say, no, we're not going to do it. You can, you know, give up, quit, or or uh, we'll let you go. So that's number one. They have to accommodate. Now, their refusal to accommodate means that effectively they've terminated her. They, they're breaching a fundamental obligation which they have, which is to accommodate. By failing to accommodate, it's a human rights violation. It's also a termination which means she's potentially owed as much as 24 months pay, not the six months uh, pay that they so generously offered her. So the option here, and what I told her is, no, tell her I expect you to accommodate me. Yep. And if they continue to say, too bad, so sad, we're not going to do it, then she can get her full severance. Then she can get human rights damages as well. So that ultimatum, that deadline, and, and those options that the company gave her were nonsense. They were ridiculous and, and not in line with their legal obligations. So she now knows what she has to do, and I'm going to follow up with her in the next few days 
to make sure that the company hopefully is is uh, wisened up a bit and uh, decided that it's going to meet its legal obligations, John. You know, it's uh, the scary part is if it was someone else and they didn't contact you or didn't listen to the show, they might have got scared and just said, okay, I'm, I'm forced to go back to work, forget accommodations yeah. and suffer. Yeah, right? I'm forced to go back to work and, and, you know, too bad for my injury or maybe just take that six months pay, which is about a quarter yeah. of what she's actually owed. Uh, both of those are bad options and luckily she did uh, listen to the show and she did give me a call and now she knows what her rights are and, and hopefully this uh, should be resolved uh, fairly soon. What else you got? Well, John, I got a, a, an email from a gentleman who uh, drives a, a truck and he'd been working for the same company for five or six years exclusively for them. He owns his truck and uh, but he uh, but he works only for this company. The truck has the company uh, logos and, and decals on it. He's not allowed to remove them. The company considers him an independent contractor. Well, recently he uh, he was sick and he wanted to have someone else do his loads for him for this company. The company said, no, can't do that, has to be you. Uh, and he, he reached out to me, wanted to know, what does this mean? Am I really an independent contractor? Well, the answer is no, he is not an independent contractor. The law would very, very likely consider him to be an employee. He works exclusively for a company. He has on his truck uh, company logos and decals, which he can't remove. He's not allowed to hire someone else to replace him. He has to do the work. All of those are signs, clear signs, of him being an employee. Now, that is very, very common uh, in the truck driving uh, industry. A lot of individuals think that uh, they're independent contractors, maybe just because they own the truck. That does not make you an independent contractor. You're probably an employee. For this gentleman, that may mean that uh, he may be owed things such as overtime and vacation pay. It also means that if the company lets him go, then he's going to be owed uh, full severance. You know, five or six years already he's been there. That's going to be a lot of severance. So I want the truck drivers to understand that out there, but I also want everyone else uh, working as, quote-unquote, an independent contractor. If you work for a company exclusively just for them, uh, you know, regular hours under their direction, you are likely to be an employee regardless of what you call yourself, regardless of what they call you, how you pay your taxes. The law may look at this and say, you are an employee. If you have any questions about your status, you don't know what you're owed, you don't know if you're really a contractor or an employee, good time to give me a call. one 821 5900 is that number to get a hold of Lior. Help at employmenthour.com as well. We'll talk about the severance pay calculator after a short break. And we'll get into things that your employer is not allowed to do. Maybe some of these you figured they were, but they are not. And we'll make it abundantly clear after we take a short break. It's the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. one 821 5900 That is the number to get a hold of Lior and the firm help at employmenthour.com as well. We'll get to a few emails as we uh, as we go through things. If you haven't caught the uh, TV show, by the way, Employment Hour in 30 happens uh, Global TV Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. as well. We're proud of it and lots of good information uh, with a visual aspect on that particular show, Lior. Severance Pay Calculator, let's get to that right away, shall we? Yeah, John, and you know, it's, it's uh, right around half a million people or so that have uh, used this tool. So if you haven't used it, uh, it's okay. You, you may be a bit late to the game, but mm. that's perfectly fine. SeverancePayCalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. What does it do? Well, the name tells you what it does. It calculates and it tells you how much severance you're actually owed. 
the real amount, not the minimum amount, not the silly week per year of service, which is nonsense. It's not what you're actually owed. Uh, it tells you what you're really owed based on the, re- the, the real factors, which are age, position, and length of employment. It works great whether you've lost your job and are staring at the severance offer, whether you're, you're worried about losing your job, or maybe neither of those apply to you, but you're just curious. You want to know. You want to have that information in your back pocket, severancepaycalculator.com, free completely, anonymous completely. There's no strings attached. You don't have to put in your name. You don't have to put in the company's name. It's strictly there for your benefit. And if you've listened to us for for years on this show and you still haven't used the severance calculator, gosh, what are you waiting for? Go right now to severancepaycalculator.com. Tell others about it. Be a good friend. Don't let your friend accept inadequate severance. Don't let them lose out on tens of thousands of dollars. If you know about the severance calculator and they don't, you have an obligation to tell them. So check it out, tell others, and uh, let me know if you have any questions. And if only for interest's sake, just to see what you would be owed potentially if uh, if it ever came down the pike that you did get low, uh, let go, it's a pretty good tool, right? It works great at parties, by the way. You know, everyone goes to Severance Pay Calculator, and you know the the, the person that has the most severance wins something. Is that right? It's a it's a great party game. Yeah, right up there with Twister and the Key Game. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's right up there. Yes, the the the, uh, the game version coming out soon. <laughs> That's right. There's a lot of stuff that people uh, they uh, suffer with or are forced with in, in the workplace, and they just think it's the norm. They think it's truly a David and Goliath situation. And these are the things that your employer is not allowed to do, but you may not know. We'll get into some of these now. That is, uh, change your pay, your job description, or your hours of work. They do that all the time, right? Absolutely. And John, probably when I get an email, probably the most common question starts with the words, can my employer do blank? Uh, and, you know, it could be a variety of things. Most of them, the, the people that contact me just want to know if what their employer did is right, whether it's kosher, whether the employer actually has the ability to do that. So we want to talk about a few of those things here, you know, so that, uh, you, you don't have to wonder anymore. If you, your employer did one of those things that we're going to talk about in the next uh, few minutes, then you'll know the answer. And, and the biggest one, probably one of the, the ones, the most common ones that I get is, can my employer change the terms of my employment? Can they reduce my pay? Can they relocate me? Can they change my hours of work, uh, et cetera? Well, the answer almost always is no. Your employer cannot do that. The reason your employer cannot do that is because any significant change to the terms of employment can result in what we call a constructive dismissal. That means that you have your right to say no to a significant change. Now, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a change where instead of working from nine to five, it's going to be eight forty-five to four forty-five. Uh, we're talking about significant changes where you, the, the shift has changed, the, the pay has changed, you've been demoted, no. maybe you've been relocated far away. In that, those situations, you can tell your employer absolutely no, I don't agree, and I don't accept. If your employer goes ahead with that change in any event, despite your objections, you can choose to accept that, or you can say, no, I'm leaving, and I'm going to make you, employer, pay me my severance. Of course, to see how much severance that would be, always check out severancepaycalculator.com. So remember, can your employer change the terms of your employment? Can they reduce your pay? Can they change your hours, your shift? The answer is no, certainly not when it comes to a significant change. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to let the company get away with it the first time. If you let them get away with it the first time, you may find out that the second, third, fourth time they do it, you're stuck. Now, a lot of these things, except I guess maybe, uh, you know, not change your pay. Most people wouldn't want that. But, you know, if, if they if the mileage is increased for your pay or your change of shift, you have an opportunity to, to give it a try, take it for a spin before it's concrete, right? 
Well, absolutely. Uh, sometimes the change itself might not be obvious or the impact of the change may not right. be obvious. Maybe the, the pace structure has changed somewhat and you want to see, well, is this actually going to be bad or me? who knows? Maybe it's going to be good for me. They reduced pay here, but they increase pay over there. So maybe, you know, when it comes to uh, actually getting paid, I'll do as well or better. So yeah, you can try a change out, certainly if it's not clear what the change is. Uh, and if you try the change out and you realize, well, wait a second, now I understand what this change is. Now I know that it's a negative change. It's yeah. not a good change. At that point, you still have the opportunity to consider it a constructive dismissal, but there's a very small window to try things out. It could be a few weeks only. So you're better off getting some advice as soon as a change happens to know how long you can try it out for, can you try it out at all, and you don't want to be in a situation where you've considered, you're considered to have accepted that change. I, I speak with people every day, literally every day, that uh, had a change happen you know, two or three months, six months ago, a year ago, and by now they're considered to have accepted it, and they're not happy with it, but they're stuck in it. If that's something you want to do, you want to take it over, spin, give it a try, you should uh, have that discussion with your employer, yes, and also get it in writing that you are just going to give it a try, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to make it clear to your employer that you're not accepting this permanently. You're going to try it out. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm not happy about this, but here's what I'm willing to do. I'm going to try it out for the next week, month, whatever it is, and, and I will let you know how that goes. You can absolutely do that uh, and, and put that in writing. And if you're not sure what it should say or how to approach your employer, again, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Take a short break. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com through email. We'll get to some of those today. And we talked about it already. If you haven't used it, almost half a million people have and been surprised by the results. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. It's the Employment Hour. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. It is help at employmenthour.com, terminationquestions.com as well. If you have any questions about your employment or your job, drop down menu. Lior and his team answer them uh, pretty quickly as well. The TV show is happening, Employment Hour in 30. That is on Global TV Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. So you can uh, you can get in on that as well. We are talking about things that your employment, uh, employer is not allowed to do. Another one is put you on probation after you've already passed the probationary period. Absolutely. And, and you see that sometimes. I've even seen that situa situation happen where an employee may have worked for, for years and the company says, well, you know, we weren't happy with you, so you're on probation. Uh, th that's meaningless, okay? There's no meaning to putting someone on probation once they're past that initial probationary period. The law doesn't really provide for a second probation. Uh, if the company wants to put you on a performance improvement plan, I guess they can if it's legitimate. If they want to give you a warning about your performance, again, if it's legitimate, fine. If they want to let you go, as long as severance is paid, they can do that. But they can't just put you on probation. So people get very worried when they realize, oh my gosh, the company put, just put me on probation. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't actually mean anything because the company can't really effectively do that. If you're put on probation, I actually don't even know what that means. You can't be. So if they decide at the end of this fictional second probation that they want to let you go, the fact that they said you're on probation doesn't change what you're owed. Remember, a company can let you go at any time uh, for almost any reason. They have to pay full severance right. if they do that. 
And the fact that they said you were on probation doesn't change that, doesn't change the analysis, doesn't change how much you wrote. So uh, don't be worried, don't be scared, because all of a sudden the company says, well, we've decided you're now on probation again. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't take away your legal rights, your legal entitlements. Uh, and again, if you're you're still worried, if you're not sure what this means or, uh, or how to respond to it, or if you should respond to it, always, always happy to talk to you. And is probation not assumed, is it? It has to be something, it has to be a part of your employment. You just don't assume that somebody's on three, three, uh, three-month probation, right? Right. And, and when you first start a job, a lot of individuals, a lot of employers assume that if you just started a job, you're automatically on mm-hmm. probation. Not so fast. No, there's no such thing as automatic probation. Probation only exists as a feature of an employment agreement. So the only time you're actually on probation is if you just started a job and you signed an employment agreement that says you're on probation. And for that period of time in the employment agreement, then you find you are on probation. But it's, there's no such thing as automatically the first three months. There's no such thing as standard or, you know, that's right. the practice. No. If you sign an agreement that provides for probation, fine. Uh, if you haven't, you're not on probation uh, and you're an employee just like anyone else. Is it three months max? So the company has a three-month period to kind of try things out. During that three months, they can let you go without any compensation, but again, only and only if the agreement explicitly right. says so. That period of time during which, during which the company can let you go without compensation cannot be any longer than three months. So in, in practical terms, that means the probationary period cannot be longer than three months. Anything beyond that means if even if the company wants to let you go, you have entitlements, you, you would be owed severance. So yes, probationary periods usually up to three months and only, only if your employment agreement says so explicitly. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com to reach out, contact with your member of the team. Things your employer is not allowed to do, refuse to pay you overtime if you actually worked the extra hours. Yeah, and and employers get this wrong all the time. Employers always assume, well, I didn't ask John to work overtime. If John worked the overtime, well, that's his problem. He shouldn't have done that. So I'm not going to pay overtime. It's not my problem. No, not at all. Not so fast. If the overtime was actually worked and if it was legitimate, then yes, the company has to pay even if they didn't approve it or ask for it. And even if they told the employee specifically not to work without approval, the company still has to pay it. Now, if you work overtime without approval, the company may decide to discipline you, but that doesn't change the fact that if you work the overtime and you can show that you've worked the overtime, the company has to pay you overtime. Remember, in Ontario, the the rule is that overtime for most people has to be paid if you work more than 44 hours a week. The same thing applies if you're a salary employee or an hourly employee. Anything over 44 hours a week, you have to get time and a half. So that's true if you've worked it. And and I've seen situations where an individual says, well, I got to get this work done. I'm just going to, you know, bear down and and do the extra work. And uh, it is what it is. And I'm not even going to tell my employer about it. Well, that's up to you. But what I can tell you is whether or not the employer employer wants it or approves it, if you have to work those extra hours beyond 44 a week to get the job done, your company has to pay you overtime, time and a half. And remember, even if you're on salary, that still applies to you. Before we take a break, I'll slide in a quick email here. It is help at employmenthour.com. Fred says, uh, I drive a school bus. My employer is federally regulated and HR told me that I only get two weeks severance. Is that correct? The old federally regulated situation. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Well, let's make it very clear. 
provincially or federally regulated. It doesn't matter when it comes to your full severance entitlements. You get the same amount. So it's not a situation where you only get two weeks pay if you're working for a federally regulated company. It could be, you know, railway, uh, uh, certain trucking, banks, etc. There's no such uh, rule that you get less. Age, position, and length of employment are the ones that apply, whether you're provincially regulated or federally regulated. The severancepaycalculator.com website works the same for both. So no, that is wrong. If your employer told you you only get two weeks pay because you're federally regulated, absolutely not. That is wrong. Call me at that point. You've been wrongfully dismissed, and I can help you make sure that you get everything that you're owed. That number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, severancepaycalculator.com to find out what your severance offer should be. And email is help at employmenthour.com to reiterate. We'll get to more of those emails and right back into things your employer is not allowed to do to you as an employee. That's on the way right here in the Employment Hour. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number help at employmenthour.com is the email. More of those coming up in just a bit. We're talking about uh, your employer is not allowed to do the following things to you. Oh, this one I love. Make up a bogus negative performance review. Uh, you know, I, I do get a lot of questions about performance reviews, performance improvement plans, uh, and usually I get those from people that are, are confused. They're saying, I don't think I did anything wrong. I don't think there was an issue with my performance. All of a sudden, I get a negative performance review, and then what does this mean, and is this legitimate? Well, you know, it's not rocket science. If it's not legitimate, if it's not there for good reason, then no, you shouldn't be getting a negative performance review, and you certainly should not be put on a performance improvement plan. You know, it's only if it's legitimate that you can be put in that situation. So, you know, what I want you to do is if your employer gives you a negative performance review and, and it comes out of the, of the blue and you don't agree with it, well, say so. Say so and say so in writing. Put it in writing why you disagree. Uh, you, know, you don't have to be uh, aggressive about it. You can be very respectful uh, and, and very professional about it. But outline, you know, here's why I don't agree. You know, you said I did those, those three things. Here's what actually happened or here's why I didn't do them. Uh, put it in writing, you know, again, in a respectful way because I don't want you to be considered to have accepted it. Sometimes when a company gives you a negative performance uh, review, what they're trying to do is build up a case to let you go for cause. And if that's what they're going to do, your silence makes it easier on them. Yeah. You're, you're, you're literally playing into the employer's hands in that situation. So what I want you to do is put it in writing, make it clear. And whether the company agrees or disagrees or, or even responds to you, it's not as important as you putting it out there, putting it in writing why you disagree. Silence is acceptance. So your employer cannot and should not give you a negative performance review if it's not legitimate, if it's not justified, and your response to that has to be, no, that's not justified, and here's why. You know, and it's funny, you see that all the time with employees anywhere between one to five years, which is more understandable, but it's when you get to the 15, 20, 30-year you know, employees, all of a sudden now they start screwing up, eh, it smells, not smells bad. It smells bad, and, and oftentimes it coincides with a new boss coming in, and maybe the boss wants to bring in their own people and to kind of you know get rid of the the old guard, so to speak. Uh, and you know that's fine. The boss can do that, but let's not play games. If you want to let someone go, let them go. Mm-hmm. Pay them what they're owed, and bring in your own people. Don't mess around with people's uh, work and and even you know their emotion and their well-being by giving people negative performance right. reviews. People take that seriously as they should. I've seen people that you know lost sleep, you know, got su- suffered from anxiety and insomnia because they they couldn't comprehend how all of a sudden they went from a great employee to this terrible employee with bad performance reviews and then a performance improvement plan. 
That's wrong. Don't do that. If you want to let someone go, let them go, but pay them their severance. one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com as well. If you haven't seen it, severancepaycalculator.com. That is the place to find out what your severance offer should be. The real number, it's right there for you to use. It takes about 30 seconds. You can walk away anonymous or uh, click the button at the bottom and contact uh, Lior and the firm as well. Things your employer is not allowed to do, take away your seniority by making you an independent contractor. That's a nice one. It really is. Uh, and uh, in the last week, I've saw a couple of those situations, which is why I added uh, that uh, to, the, to the show today. Uh, a situation where someone is working, you know, work for a while. All of a sudden, the company says, we want to make you an independent contractor. Uh, so you're going to uh, you're going to quit your position as an employee and we're going to rehire you back immediately as an independent contractor. Well, first of all, that doesn't actually make you an independent contractor. If it was that simple, why isn't everyone an independent contractor? Clearly, that's not the case. So it's not as simple as just one day deciding you move from employee to an independent contractor. Second, oftentimes what companies want to try to achieve by doing that is to eliminate your seniority. So maybe you've been with the company for, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. And they say, well, now you're an independent contractor and you start from scratch. Wait a second. Not at all. It doesn't work that way. You can't eliminate someone's seniority by changing their title on paper, by, by trying to call them something that they're not. So if your employer changes your position or has changed your position from employee to contractor, you're likely to continue being an employee in the eyes of the law and you're likely to still have the same seniority. So bottom line is, is when you lose that position, uh, don't assume that your position stopped and started at, at some point in time. You're likely going to be owed compensation based on your entire length of service, even if at some point your, your status changed. So that's why, you know, it's so important to get that advice because if you don't, you may not realize that. You may only think, well, I was an employee for 10 years and then an independent contractor for one year. So I guess I only get paid severance for uh, on, on one year. Yeah. No, you're probably an 11-year person at that point, and your, your severance is going to be uh, calculated accordingly. Well, uh, continue chopping down our list of things your employer is not allowed to do to you in between some emails. Got to Sean here, writes in at help at employmenthour.com, says I was let go for cause because my employer said I missed too many days of work for medical reasons. Can they do that? Well, that's a, a bad reason to let someone go. Absolutely. Now, the first question is, is the termination itself legal? What I mean by that is, is it a violation of the human rights code? If uh, in that situation, the, the, the reason why someone missed a lot of days of work is maybe they just had a bad run with you know the flu and yeah. uh, whatever it is, then, then the termination itself may be legal because it's not a disability, but the company would still have to pay severance. The fact that the person missed days of work doesn't mean that the company can let them go for cause. If the absences were legitimate, then uh, the fact that they've missed 5, 10, 20, 100 days for being sick does not give the company the right to let them go for cause, so full severance has to be paid. But it gets more interesting than that, is if the reason why the person missed work could be considered a disability. They suffer from a serious medical condition, and as a result of that serious medical condition, they had to miss days, then the termination itself could be a human rights violation. You cannot, under any circumstances, let someone go because they suffer from a disability. And a disability can be a serious medical condition. It doesn't have to be a situation where you're confined to a wheelchair. So if that's what the company did in this situation, not only, of course, do they owe severance, they would also owe uh, human rights damages. That would be an illegal termination. Either way, compensation is owed. 
And either way, he needs to give me a call. Things your employer is not allowed to do to you. That's where we're going to pick it up after a short break. Help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't caught it yet, Employment Hour in 30 happens Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. on Global TD, uh, TV and, of course, severancepaycalculator.com to find out exactly what you're owed when it comes to your severance. This is the Employment Hour. It's on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. 1-855-821-5900, the number it is, help at employmenthour.com, terminationquestions.com as well. If you have questions about your employment, your job, drop-down menu, chances are your question's been asked and answered in depth by Lior and his team. If not, you can go there and uh, and punch it in, terminationquestions.com. We are talking about things your employer is not allowed to do to you today. This one, all over the place, hear it all the time, lay you off temporarily. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, th- we can't do a list like that without talking about temporary layoffs because employers get this wrong all the time. And, and you know, I'm going to uh, not pick on employers here because a lot of the times, maybe even most of the times, when a company lays off an employee temporarily, they legitimately believe that that is okay. They legitimately believe that that's legal. And the reason they believe that legitimately is, yeah, it can be confusing as to whether that is legal or not. So let's simplify this. Generally speaking, an employer is not allowed to lay off temporarily an employee. What that means is if you've been laid off temporarily, you actually have been terminated, or at least you have the right to treat that as a termination. So if the company that that thinks they can just lay someone off temporarily, not realizing that really what they've done is they've actually let the person go. They've terminated their employment and they owe them severance. So a company does not have a right to lay off temporarily except really in two situations. Either there's an employment agreement in place that says you can be laid off temporarily, you signed that agreement. Well, if you signed that agreement, then the company does have some discretion to lay you off temporarily. That's option one. The second option or the second situation where the company can let you go temporarily or lay you off temporarily is if there's a past precedent that's been created. They've done it before and, and you kind of let them do it. Well, by, by, by that past practice, you've, you've now given them the right to do it again. But if this is the first layoff that you've, you've had and, and if you did not sign an employment agreement that gives the company the right, and most people haven't, then you've actually been terminated. So the company does not have a right to lay you off temporarily, and you have you have the right, the employee, to treat that as a termination and get your full severance. A list of things your employee is not allowed to do to you. No, no, no. And this one is uh, basically a dismissal. Let you uh, with uh, let you go rather without severance just because you did something wrong. Absolutely. And and for some employers, it's it's a very clear and simple equation. Employee did something wrong equals termination for cause without severance. No, that equation is absolutely wrong. Doing something that's inappropriate, doing something that's wrong, does not mean you can lose your job without severance. The only time you can lose your job without severance is if you've done something terrible. If what you've done is so bad, so outrageous, that it's impossible to continue employing you. That there's anyone that looks at it and says, oh my gosh, there's no way ever this employer can continue employing the person. So let's think about that. If you were late uh, twice this week, yeah, that's not good, right? And you've done something wrong. But is that uh, does that mean that you can be let go for cause without severance? Absolutely not. No way. You know, let's look at some some other extreme. You you hit your boss. Well, you know what? That is so bad, of course, that it's probably inconceivable to continue employing you. So that would be cause. 
But in my experience, and I've been doing this a long time, most employers pull the trigger on a termination for cause when the employee, in fact, didn't do something that's that bad. And oftentimes, employers feel guilty or employees feel guilty that they've done something wrong and they assume, well, I did do this thing that they're accusing me, so I guess I'm not owed anything. Not so fast. Maybe you did do something wrong. Maybe you even did a few things wrong, but that's not the question. The question is, is whatever you did, does that mean that it deprives you of severance? Does that mean you're deserving of the worst punishment? In most situations, even if you've done something wrong, it's not bad enough to be a cause. It's not bad enough to allow the company to let you go without severance. So whether you did something wrong or you didn't do something wrong, if you were let go without severance, it is probably the most important time to give me a call or, or contact me. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. We'll nail down uh, one more of these points here before we uh, take a break from this segment. That is the things your employer is not allowed to do to you. And this one's a big one, especially in the current climate. That is ignore your complaints about harassment by a coworker or the boss for that matter. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is a big, big no-no. And, and it's, you know, it's easy for an employer to say, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to deal with this. Oh, gosh, you know, this distracts or, or takes away from us running our business. I don't want to deal with this harassment stuff. Well, it doesn't matter. The company has to deal with harassment uh, issues. So if you raise a harassment complaint, if you raise a harassment issue with your boss, they have to deal with it. That means they may they have to investigate this, whether they do it themselves or bring someone from the outside to investigate, and at, and they have to conduct a proper investigation. They have to uh, look at it and interview people and and look at whatever documents. They can't just you know take someone's word for it. They obviously have to investigate, and at the end of the investigation, depending on the results, they have to take measures to fix the problem. So they can't uh, just investigate and then do nothing. So if your employer doesn't do anything about the investigation or about the harassment, if they uh, listen to you and it comes in one ear and uh, comes out the other, they don't really care or don't do anything, that is a problem. That could be a human rights violation, depending on the situation. That can certainly be a constructive dismissal, uh, which gives the employee rights. So no, your employer can't ignore you. Your employer can't say, you know, boys will be boys or girls will be girls. They can't do that. That's wrong. Those days are gone. Your employer has to deal properly with any harassment allegations. How do you navigate it if it's your boss, either like even the CEO or your, your direct boss for that matter? Well, it is a very problematic situation. Yeah. If the, the very person that would ultimately make any decisions is the one that's harassing you, at that point, you have to get into a different mindset. And at that point, it's about gathering information to be able to prove what's actually happened. So keep a journal keep uh, some sort of a a diary, uh, gather emails, something that corroborates what you say happened. And at that point, reach out to me. Because if you can't deal with it internally, we have to deal with it externally. We have to get you out of there, get you the compensation that you're owed. But you always make my life as a lawyer easier if you can provide me with something that corroborates what you say happened, the, the harassment, the mistreatment, the poisoned work environment, uh, so that's how you deal with the situation where it's the boss, the, the very person at the top, that's the one that's harassing you. We'll get to some more of your emails. It is help at employmenthour.com. You want to send one over in the last few minutes of the show here, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred as well. The Employment Hour. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML.
1-855-821-5900 is the number, help at employmenthour.com, the email address. If you haven't checked it out, find out what your severance offer should be if it ever comes down the pike, or you just want to know uh, for a matter of interest sake, severancepaycalculator.com. There's also the TV show all over the radio and the TV. He is the king of all media. It is the uh, Employment <laughs> Hour and 30 Global News uh, TV, or at least Global TV, 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Don't make the stern reference. Don't even compare yourself, buddy. I, I, I won't go there. <laughs> A couple emails want to uh, shoot through these before we wrap for the day, and that is uh, Patricia writes in, says, our department is uh, being shut down and I'm going to lose my job. I am scheduled to go on maternity leave in a few weeks. Can you explain what happens to my severance and mat leave in that situation? That's a very good question. And obviously, uh, if an employer is going to let you go because the department is shutting down, then that presumably means you're not being let go because you're pregnant or because you're going on maternity leave. So, Let's start with the idea that the fact that they're letting you go means that it's still legal. Again, usually you cannot let someone go when they're pregnant. The exception is if the company can show that there's a reason that's completely unrelated. So obviously, if the department is shutting down, that's probably an unrelated reason. Okay. Well, now that we know that, the real question becomes, well, what happens to your severance? Because if you're going to get severance right now, that could interfere with your uh, the EI that you're going to get while you're on mad leave. So the best way to deal with this is number one, you want to negotiate proper severance. So pregnant or not, maternity leave or not, you got to make sure that the severance that the company is going to give you is adequate because in over 90% of cases, it's not. But once we negotiate proper severance, we also want that money to actually only get paid when your maternity leave is over, When once you're, you've been able to stay on EI for the full period of time. So if you get it right now, that's going to impact your EI. So I would Work out a deal with your employer that uh, the, the, the severance is only going to get paid a year later or whenever it is right. when you're off maternity leave. And what that does is gives you additional time at that point to find another job. So number one, let's make sure your severance is appropriate. Number two, let's make sure that the money is only paid at the end of the maternity leave uh, and, and not now. You can reach the deal right now with the money to be paid later. That's very, very important if you're going to be getting maternity benefits. Let's talk a little bit because you because uh, you brought it up and Patricia brought it up in her email. Barring the fact that the uh, you know whole part of the job is closing, the whole department, you know, letting someone go and uh, doing that because of a pregnancy leave and maternity leave, not a good thing. Well, it not only is it not a good thing, it's probably the worst thing that can be done. It's the worst thing because there's so many different statutes and and and, and rights that an employee has that protect the employees. Uh, in that situation. So if you're letting someone go because they're pregnant, uh, because uh, they're going to go on maternity leave, that could be a human rights violation. That could be a violation of the Employment Standards Act. That can be a violation of a number of things. That's wrong. That's illegal. That's one of the most fundamental uh, ideas and fundamental notions of employment laws. You cannot let someone go because of pregnancy. Despite this, and despite the fact that this should be obvious and you know probably is obvious to a lot of people, a lot of employers still do this. I know this because I see this all the time. Uh, and oftentimes companies think, I've had companies say, well, we're a small company. These obligations only apply to big companies. Yeah. No, those obligations apply big, small, medium, all companies. You can't let someone go penalize them, mistreat them, uh, you know, reduce their pay or anything 
because they're pregnant, because they're taking maternity leave, because they're coming back from a maternity leave. You have to take them back to the same job at the same compensation at the same location with very, very few exceptions. Let's wrap with this email from George says, I've been on disability leave for 20 months. My employer has told me that if I don't come back to work after 24, then I quit. Is that correct? That is not correct at all. There is no such thing as you can only be off on a disability for two years. In some situations, you, you can be off for much longer. In some situations, less, frankly. It comes down to whether or not there is a prospect of you coming back to work. So if it's clear now and your doctor saying you'll never be able to go back to work, well, then the company may be able to end the relationship with you. But if you or your doctor are saying, no, no, still working on getting back to work, there's still hope and, and, and a plan to get back to work at some point, then the company can't then say, well, two years, that's enough, you're gone. No, not at all. They have to allow you to stay off on a disability leave. Whether or not you're getting LTD or, or not, it doesn't really matter. You can be off as long as needed if a doctor, number one, says you need to be off, and as long as a doctor is saying there's some hope for you to come back. If the company lets you go in those situations because you've been off for 24 months or, or, or more, etc., then that's a wrongful dismissal. That can also be a human rights violation. That's illegal. So there's no such deadline. What matters is what your doctor says. And if you're not sure what you're, you should be asking your doctor, what you should be telling your employer, please give me a call before you kind of go out there and, and provide some information. Uh, it is a sensitive topic, and it is one that we have to get right. So you really should be talking to me first. And a sidebar to that, and I know you've mentioned this before, is that your employer, by the way, is allowed to ask prognosis but not diagnosis, yes? Not only is your employer allowed to ask that, they should ask that. Your your employer should ask questions about how long are you expected to be off? Uh, You know, what is your limitations? Can you be accommodated and get you back to work? Those are legitimate questions and questions a company can and I would say should ask. When a comp- what a company cannot and should not ask is questions about the specifics of your medical condition. What is the condition you're suffering? Uh, what is the treatment you're getting? What is what medication you're on? Those are private matters. Those are questions that the company doesn't have a right to ask and answers it's not allowed to get. And just by insisting on those uh, answers and asking those questions, that could be a human rights violation. Hmm. So prognosis, yes, uh, uh, and, and diagnosis, no. And if you're not sure, if your company is harassing you for information, medical information, let me kind of get them off your back. Lots of information this show and always uh, every week here on the show. You want to get a hold of Lior and the firm, one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. That's the email address you want to use. And if you haven't checked it out, we talked about it several times. Use some examples today as well. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. And, of course, the TV show Employment Hour and 30 happens Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on Global TV. Uh, TV. Till next time, this is the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML.